When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I've had a slightly worrisome start to 2023, Lorraine, because I've been talking in my sleep and I don't like what I've been saying. Apparently, the other night, Neil tells me, unless he's gaslighting me, he tells me that I said, oh, lovely trousers, lovely elasticated waist in my sleep. (laughs) The end is nigh. Should you not have said, pass me my Valentino cape or something like that? Exactly. But no, elasticated trousers. Maybe I've been looking at too many small ads in the back of the the Sunday papers. (laughs) I don't know. It's worrying. You haven't bought any elasticated (laughs) trousers. (laughs) Definitely not. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Lorraine Candy. And I'm Trish Halpin. If you're living in a hormonal hothouse, feeling a bit overwhelmed and in need of some positive, uplifting and comforting guidance on how to lead a more magnificent midlife, then this is the show for you. We chat to celebrities and experts on all things midlife, from menopause and perimenopause to parenting teens, via fashion, beauty, wellness, nutrition, fitness careers, relationships, caring for elderly relatives and your finances. Yes, we ask experts and famous guests all the questions you need answered to have a happier, healthier and more harmonious second act. Cue the Rocky theme tune, people, because, ta-da, we are back! Is that what you're talking about? She's off with the singing, not more than five seconds into season eight. Good to hear that warbly little Irish voice of yours again, young Trish. What a treat for our listeners. How have you been since we last stepped into this glamorous recording booth? I'm full of beans, actually. I'm feeling very jolly. Very jolly this month. Um, as you know, I'm quite literally full of beans because I do like to cook with oh, a lot of legumes, often with the root vegetable thrown in. <laughs> you know, I'm, it's all good, but my empty good. nest is no more, obviously, because oh, they're, back. they're back, aren't they? they were, they've been back for a while uh, in the nest. It's not, it's not been the easiest, shall we no. say, getting used to it. I don't know how you find it. And one of them is is staying. They've dropped out. They've dropped out. It's happened. Oh, yeah. Me. But they're re- we're well, getting geared up for, for September again. So we've got to go through it all again, all again, the whole so thing. So will this one be with you from thence onwards? Job yes, searching, I would is hope. Yes. Job. There is a job that's already happening right, and they'll be traveling. Okay. So I am I'm optimistic about the situation and Good. the uh yeah. Being well, empty nest again because I was quite getting used to that. But good, dry January going well, everything good. But you've had a bit of a rough old time, haven't you? I have. I was struck down by the infamous 22 flu, the 22, 22 flu as we're yeah. calling it. Um, and I've only just emerged really onto the sofa into dry January. Mm. Um, everyone had this cough from hell. I wasn't alone. I wasn't unique. As Lorraine Graham said on our Facebook page, our lovely Facebook page, she said, mum flu 
it's exactly like normal flu, but no one gives a shit. <laughs> that's basically what and I had. What so happened, I had it, yeah. then they all had it, and then I had to take care of them. So I've been oh. locked up, basically. I've been on my own kind of germy oh. lockdown. Oh, dear, that's not like you, because you love no. a bit of crimbo. Crimbo razzle-dazzle, don't you? It's not good, is it? It's not good. So what did you do? What did you do? How did well, you... I mean, you can't have had two weeks of miserableness. You know me, Trish. I always mm. look for the upside. Perky. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Yeah. Well, I did get a good upside. I got some bonding yeah. time with my lovely 11-year-old because she loves a mega film. Um, yeah. So she made me watch all of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, my God. Oh, God, no, I don't like the sound of that. Uh, she loves all the Marvel um, but when yeah. she wasn't there, so I had a lovely little time bonding with her. I watched Bad Sisters. Oh, I love that. Yes. So good. So, so good. I also watched your favourite film, Banshees yes. of Inner Sharon. I okay. watched it twice. I loved it so you much. Loved it so much. And I've got a new catchphrase that I'm going to use when you upset me, Trish. It's Go going to be code for you to know I am upset so I don't have okay. to say it out loud. Okay. You know, I don't okay. Okay. I'm going to say to you, I am not putting my donkey outside when I'm sad. You upset me. <laughs> That was Colin Farrell, wasn't it, as Portrait? Yes. Can I just point out that this film was, in fact, one of my picks for our culture club last yes. season? Do you remember that? And do you remember the fact that you weren't interested at all? You were rushing me through it and couldn't wait for me to stop talking about it. And now here oh, we slow are. <laughs> well, it's just won a Golden Globe as well. It has. It? So, but yeah, can I just do a quick thing about donkeys? Because I don't think I've told you this. You know, I went to Ireland for a wedding last year. One of yes. my favourite moments was when I spent a little time with my Uncle Aidan's two donkeys called Charlie and Bertie. I've got pictures I can Have send you. you. I can attest mm. to the healing powers of donkeys. It's very well, nice. Well, or see, because my parents used to rescue donkeys. Oh, yes, that's true. Uh, yes. True. I think I've talked about Eric before, yeah. my dad's donkey, haven't I, who, <laughs> who, when he died in his stable, rigor mortis set in and they couldn't get him out. Oh. His legs were too long. <laughs> right, I think uh, this anyway, is very black humour, like the Martin McDonough film. But there we go. Let's move on. Let's move on. So enough gossipy nonsense because we have midlife work to do, Lorraine. Because this yes. show is all about helping women lead a magnificent midlife, isn't it? To find that joy and adventure. We've got a brilliant new series lined up for you this season, and it, we've made a few little tweaks to boost the show's practical kudos and entertain you more. We yes. hope. We're going to be getting fit with a, a new low impact movement plan. We're going to lose some of the dreaded midlife middle. We all seem to fall prey to. We're going to eat a bit more healthily. Uh, we're also helping you parent your teens more harmoniously with one of the world's leading experts on adolescence emotional well-being. And as usual, we'll be hearing some extraordinary stories from your best loved midlife stars of stage and screen, no less. It's a great series, actually. I think mm. it's probably our best so far. We've just... Ooh. People flocking to us to tell oh. us about midlife, haven't we? Um, I am a bit nervous about one of our guests, oh, yeah. um, though, because she is the podcaster's podcaster. Yes. She's a supreme the podcaster. I mean, I think it's like 35 million downloads or something. Elizabeth Day is coming yes, on fabulous. podcast. So you might want to turn your microphone on for that one, Trish. So we look <laughs> professional, a little bit professional. Anyway, the other thing would be really good for our lovely listeners, because we've got millions of listeners as well, is could you subscribe to our podcast, mm. please? Wherever you get your podcast, the provider has a little button and it's usually in the top right. And if you press subscribe, then all this brilliant, helpful advice and our uplifting chat and our nonsense about donkeys will drop straight into your podcast inbox. And then you don't have to remember to listen to us. And we do know that brain fog is a bit tricky at this mm -hmm. stage of life. So anything that stops you having to remember something would be good. 
And the other thing we would love from our wonderful listeners is a tiny review, please, because that keeps us forefronts of everyone's minds. And if you do that, you give us more stars. The more stars we get, the more shows we can do. See, it's a very simple formula. Um, And it really cheers us up because podcasting in our glamorous (laughs) booth can be a little bit lonely sometimes and we can't see you when we're podcasting so yeah we like to be nice to get some reviews yes yeah we love hearing from you all um and actually though we like hearing from you all but we like even more we're going to be seeing you all this year postcards from midlife live which is taking place on friday may the 19th and saturday may the 20th in london at the business design center we can't wait. It's going to be so exciting. We've got live talks, workshops on fashion, beauty, health, careers, parenting, dating, financial advice, menopause, shopping, yes. eating, drinking, champagne, cake. There's a playroom. There's going to be so mm. much to do. It's a really good lineup, actually, for the live festival. So the in person. I don't think, and actually, I did have a quick search around all of this. There have ever been this many midlife experts in one room before so it's pretty unique and we feel quite privileged actually to be curating the show who have we got coming along more rocky music very excited uh we've got professor tim specter the gut guru who will be helping all of us to sort out our midlife eating plans my favorite uh donna lancaster the coach and therapist who will be helping us all to reframe our emotional lives so you can avoid feeling lonely and overwhelmed and of course, Dr. Louise Newson, literally Exciting. the menopause guru. She is amazing. She's going to explain HRT. Uh, we have the therapist, Julia Samuel, who is hosting a workshop and having a happier family life. And the most important gynecologist in the whole land, Dame Leslie Regan, who will be talking midlife health. And we'll throw in a few celebs, shall we? We've got Patsy Yes, it's Sadie Frost, Louise Minchin, and we're going to be announcing more and more as these weeks go by. We are. And we've got loads of experts, so too many to mention here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of your one-off chance to meet the gurus who can help you lead a more magnificent midlife in person in a mm. lovely stylish setting. Coffee, champagne, cake. Did I mention that? You can get your early bird tickets to the postcards from Midlife Live Festival by going to our website which is postcardsfrommidlifelive.co.uk. And you can follow our Instagram account, which is from midlife, which is just for event news. Um, We're going to have book signings. There's going to be loads of little pit stops around um, the festival where you can talk to the people that you have already met on Facebook. So you can meet them, we meet us, and then you can meet this wonderful private Facebook community in person. We've really loved watching that group grow haven't we Mm. i'm going to meet lucy because she posted her spotify rap which is the list of the things you listen to on the group and she has listened to wait for this trish feel a bit sorry for lucy 2053 minutes of postcards from midlife (laughs) it's the top of her charts it's another rocky moment (laughs) i I think we should send her a blue peter badge oh definitely you got a blue peter badge no, I never got one. Is that, mm-hmm. That's another story. Being like the kind time. of person who might have one. Oh, okay. Trish. I'm guessing yeah. you haven't either. So let's let's park that. I'm quite keen on meeting uh, someone who posted anonymously. And I, I understand why on the Facebook group, because you can post if there's something quite intimate and personal, you know, you can post it anonymously. And uh, she wrote that her partner thought his private parts had been growing since they met. I mean, honestly, men. But Men. she had to remind him that he was looking at his nether regions. Don't think I can penis. say the P word. Okay, you say it. Oh, penis. I said it. 
through his reading glasses, which tend to enlarge everything. No, so, through her reading glasses. Does that matter? Well, I mean, I think if you borrow your wife's reading glasses to look at your private parts and oh. then pronounce that they've got bigger. <laughs> I mean. This is true. This, this is, true. is the chat. Oh, the listeners are here for, Trish. Listening big knobs. That's yeah. what they're here for. Let's not get sidetracked because it is time to introduce our guest today, who we are interviewing purely because so many of you are so often for us to cover this subject um, on the private Facebook group. And it's not Big Knobs, but it okay. is kind of related to Big oh, Knobs. Oh, God. Divorce. We oh. are going to be talking about divorce. We know, don't we, Trish, mainly because we did so many features on this during our glossy magazine days, that there is a peak of people asking for divorce in January. Mm. And on Monday the 9th of January, it was Divorce Day, D-Day. Lawyers, therapists, solicitors, financial advisors were bombarded with clients asking for help, weren't they? Yeah. So if anybody's going through this process right now or thinking about it or about to go through it, we're talking to divorcee and divorce coach, Amanda Gardner, who set up the Divorce Hive community after her own lengthy and traumatic parting. Um, She's going to have lots of practical information. And uh, she'll also be talking about being single, starting again and building a new and happy life and parenting as a a divorcee too. Yeah. And As this time of the year is a little bit dangerous, it seems, for long-term couples, I've also chatted to relationship therapist Dr. Kalanit about how to make your relationship stronger, how to deepen the connection, and also give it a general MOT as part of a sort of New Year promise to yourself. And that will be coming up after our interview with Amanda. So stay tuned for that. And we've rustled up a little nostalgia noodle, haven't we? We've done so many of these. We thought we'd run out, but we've got more, more for you this season. Well, it's um, amazing so, given we can't remember anything, no, isn't exactly. it, that we keep coming up with these. We can remember yeah. the 70s and 80s better than, than last Yesterday. year. Anyway, yeah. Exactly. But right, let's meet our guest. Our first guest this season is divorce coach Amanda Gardner. Amanda, 52, is a mother of three teenage daughters and spent the best part of seven years extricating herself from an unhappy marriage, an experience that made her want to spare other women going through what she describes as a long, emotionally agonizing and cripplingly expensive process. Already an experienced executive and business coach, Amanda decided to use her skills to help others not just survive divorce, but achieve a positive future too. And so she set up the Divorce Hive, an online community accessible to all women. And she also offers group as well as one-to-one coaching. Her mantra is that divorce happens for you, not to you. And she joins us today to offer practical advice and emotional support for anyone going through a relationship breakdown, as well as outlining the steps to take to build a bright, new, positive and happy future. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife, Amanda. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Now, we mentioned earlier in the show that it's no coincidence we're tackling the subject of divorce in January. Do you want to explain why it's dubbed Divorce Month? What what goes wrong? What is happening at this time of year? Yeah, well, it's Divorce Month because it's reportedly the month when family law solicitors get the most new inquiries about divorce. And particularly that first working Monday of January is when they get a complete rash of new inquiries. And I guess it's a number of things. I think it could be that maybe couples have decided to divorce before Christmas, but they delay the process so they can have that final Christmas together or as a family. Or maybe it's the the pressure of two weeks together over Christmas that's the final straw. 
I think there's an element as well of new year, new me. So if I'm going to do it, this is a good time to to perhaps start divorce proceedings. And, you know, as a coach, I've certainly seen an, an uptick in inquiries in the last couple of weeks. Um, I actually spoke to to somebody this morning who um, has instructed, she filed yesterday, uh, she wants to leave her marriage because she's met somebody else um, and she's expecting it to be adversarial. So her solicitor has uh, pushed her in my direction to get a little bit of support and advice. I guess we should also start then with your own divorce journey. Can you take us back, Amanda, to when your marriage started to come apart and what followed? So my story is somewhat of a cliche. 2015, I had a really lovely life. My husband, who I'd known for 22 years, and I had moved out of London with our three daughters. We lived in a beautiful house in a lovely rural community. Girls were at the local school, had a great social life with local families, good standard of living. My husband's business was doing really well and I wasn't needing to work. You know, life was good. My marriage wasn't perfect, but whose is? Um, And for me, the pros far outweighed the cons. But then in March that year, my husband seemingly overnight just altered and changed into somebody that I really didn't recognize. Um, and he is he the same age as you? The same, he is, he's yeah. about six months younger, okay, yeah, yeah. same age. And he started going cycling and going to the pub a lot, which are things he'd not at all been interested before. Yes. <laughs> um, and he started sort of falling asleep on the sofa, um, and not coming to bed. And he became very distant. So where we used to speak about everything, suddenly we were barely speaking and just unpleasant, losing his temper. You know, with hindsight, uh, it was very obvious what was going on. But when you love somebody so unreservedly, I think it's very easy to to overlook the signs. Um, And instead, I was thinking, oh, my goodness, has he got a brain tumour? Is he in some sort of trouble that he doesn't want to tell me about? And I was just genuinely worried. Uh, And then come that summer, inevitably, I discovered that he was, in fact, having an affair. And that was devastating. And I guess at that point, that should have been the end of things. But I was so stunned and so utterly fearful of life after divorce for myself and for my children that when he claimed it was all a dreadful mistake and he wanted to patch things up, I agreed. And really then for the next almost three years, that was our cycle of him reinitiating the affair, me finding out, him leaving for a bit, and then us trying to to patch it up. And it's family life just continuing at, at that point, were we, you know, with the kids and the whole were you still having an intimate relationship? I mean, that's three years is a long time, isn't it? It's a really long time. I think it was limping at best. You Mm. know, we were having a normal relationship, but it was hard and extremely stressful. You know, I think in that time I lost about two stone in weight. Mm. Um, I got physically sick. It it was an incredibly stressful time. So Mm. did it affect your self-esteem? No, And I think that's just a personal thing for me, that it hasn't. For many of my clients, it does, but it didn't for me. I was just very sad. And I think it wasn't until December that year that, again, the cycle kicked in. 
And at that point, he decided to tell our children, well, for me, that was that was the end. If you're prepared to break your children's hearts in that way, then we're done. Um, and I petitioned shortly afterwards. So he told them that he was leaving you. So you had you discussed divorce at this point? Yes, we had. So he told me a couple of weeks earlier because I'd found out again that yeah. he was um, having an affair. And I just had surgery on the day that he decided to land that on me again. Ooh. So, yeah, it was a joyful Christmas. And an affair with the same person or different people? The right. same person, yeah. Okay. So you were kind of caught in a kind of trap of knowing what was going on and who it was and sort of a limbo, isn't it? It's a, it's a terrible limbo place to be emotionally. It is. It's it's very unpleasant, but it was all fear-driven. You know, if I had my time again, right at the start, hindsight's a great thing, isn't it? But I would yes. have said, that's it, we're done. And how did you start to rebuild your life then? From that point, how long did it take and what happened? It took me a really long time, Trish, a really long time. I think I was on a kind of a hamster wheel of a narrative that was very negative, telling myself it was all a disaster, I didn't have any future, there was just nothing good I could see in my future. And I think it's difficult to get off of that hamster wheel while the divorce process is going through because it's so pervasive and it impacts every aspect of your life. But there was a particular day for me when I think I just sort of hit rock bottom. Something happened, I can't really remember, it was some nasty legal letter or something similar. And I was out walking the dog. It was a dreadful, wet, windy day, muddy, and I fell over. And I was lying in a field in the mud. And I just thought, I don't want to get up. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And then almost instantly, I had a word with myself and thought, actually, you know what? You've lost enough of your life to this crappy situation. No one else is coming to save you. You need to get yourself up and out. And so that's what I did. And I think as a coach, I knew that mindset was really important. So I started to force myself to change my mindset. So every time I thought, oh, it's a disaster, I'd try and reframe that and think, okay, it's not what I wanted. Maybe it could be something better. Um, And that feels really awful and inauthentic for a long time. But eventually it, it starts kicking in. Midlife is a kind of peak divorce time, isn't it? Because I think Trish and I have talked about this on the show before, the most frequent divorces for women are between the ages 45 and 49. But, you know, there are breakdowns, and I'm sure your community is telling you this as well. This is the age when it all, possibly the wheels can come off. And one of the reasons the wheels can come off is menopause and perimenopause and all the symptoms related to that, not just libido, it's just all the symptoms, anxiety, depression, all the things that women can go through. What do you think is at play for women at this stage of life? I mean, menopause is a, is a big factor. And I think one of the big family law firms recently did a survey on midlife women. It was, some, it was huge. It was 66% of women felt that the menopause was having an adverse effect on their relationship. And it was around, you know, intimacy, communication, lack of understanding, and you go I a bit mean, mad as well. You we just go a bit mad. mad. Yeah, and you can't remember anything. So <laughs> exactly. you're very, very angry all the time too. <laughs> and angry. But there's also two other hormones that decrease, which I think have a big impact on 
relationships ending. And the first one's oxytocin, the love hormone. So that drops a little and that makes us less concerned about keeping the peace. And we don't feel the need to care for our husbands anymore or as much. And dopamine, the happiness hormone, which makes us less inclined to be attentive to other people's needs. And that's okay, I think, you know, that that's part of who we are. It's about us taking back control. We're not putting up anymore with unacceptable behaviours. And we want to live life to our own values and our own beliefs rather than our husband's. So we're not nurturing anymore. We're not nurturing anymore, no. But I think there's also at a time when perhaps midlife men are, are starting to wind down, midlife women are winding up and thinking, wow, there's an adventure out there for me. I'm going to go get it. Did menopause or perimenopause affect your But How old were you when you were going through? Yes, I think it did with hindsight. So I was 47 at the beginning, 46, 47. And for sure, I mean, I certainly couldn't sleep. Um, I couldn't think straight. I was losing a lot of weight. Looking back, it was definitely perimenopause, but it didn't cross my mind at the time. I think it was mm. before you you came oh. online teaching us all about it. So with when the wheels come off a relationship, as, as Lorraine said, at what point should you think about marriage counselling or separation? I mean, it's, it's, it's always the, do I stay? Do I go? What do I want? Can marriage counselling and separations help couples? get back together or is it the kind of the beginning of the end I mean I think the flippant response would be that marriage counseling in my experience is a bit of a death knell to -hmm. your relationship but then that's because I work with people who are divorcing um, and maybe they tried counseling it hasn't worked I think a more thoughtful response would be that it, it really depends on your situation and who you are and who your husband is I think you need to go early If you start seeing problems, go early. Don't wait until the decision is made. And you both need to want it to work. So I I think, is it a good idea? I don't think it can hurt and it might help, but you need to go early. Um, In terms of separation, I think, you know, trial separations are not as common as you might think. Again, it's circumstantial. So if there's somebody else in the picture, why would you do a trial separation? That's kind of giving someone their cake and eat it. But maybe if there's some kind of traumatic incident that's caused friction in your marriage, that could really help to give you both some space to to consider. What do the women who have taken the first step tell you about how it feels for them, the first step to divorce? Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's not my experience, but I've worked with a number of women mm. who take that first step, I think it's incredibly difficult and they they have to deal with overwhelming levels of guilt that they are, you know, exploding the family unit. Mm. When you say petition, is that the first step in divorce? If I say, Mr. Candy, I've really had enough of you cutting your toenails while I'm waiting to go to the supermarket, et cetera, et cetera. What is, is petition the first step? Is that how it begins? Or... Do you have to see us listed? Where does it begin if you feel like you've really come to the conclusion it's over? Well, I think in this country, it usually begins with us phoning up the local solicitor and saying, I want a divorce. But I don't know that that's necessarily the right first step. I think probably it's better to, to take some time, maybe work with the coach and think through how you see it panning out and to think through the bigger questions like how how's this going to be for my kids 
How am I going to have contact with them? How are they going to be supported financially? What's my relationship going to look like with my ex? Maybe not now, but in a couple of years. You know, the finances. You need to have a really clear vision of what you want and how you want your divorce to be. Are you prepared for a fight? Do you have the resources for a fight? Or do you want it to be amicable? Then you put your team around you. And I think your team, your divorce team, a coach can be really helpful. I think a lawyer has a place to play, of course. Um, and a financial analysis or um, advisor to help you look at what you've got and is it enough to support the lifestyle that you'd like to live. Then the first step when you see your lawyer is to go through that kind of vision. Um, you instruct your lawyer, you tell them what you want, not vice versa, um, and then they will issue a petition for you. So that's when you then issue, you say, I'd like a divorce. And the court will give you something called a decree nisi, which is that first piece of paper on the journey towards a divorce. Because there's no fault divorces now, aren't there? So it's, it is just a bureaucratic procedure, is it, that you have to exactly. go through? Exactly. Yeah, right. exactly. So it can be straightforward if you've got all your ducks in a row going into it with the team around you. But there's what- less conflict at that stage. I mean, if you have to issue in the old style on the basis of unreasonable mm. behaviour mm. or... Mm infidelity that it's already it starts you off on the wrong foot and your pistols at dawn from the get-go which is not ideal what what do the women that you work with tell you about that first say the first week after you've issued the petition what what emotions are they going through how are they dealing with? i know everyone's situation is different but what would you suggest a woman commonly feel when that happens what can she expect I think there's relief at that point, funnily enough, because you've dealt with a lot of the really high emotion pieces. You've had that awful conversation with your spouse where you've decided that this is the way forward. You've thought through what it will look like and the implications. So the actual process of pressing the button is no big deal. And what mistakes do women make, do you find, during most common at that stage of divorce proceedings? I think not getting a lawyer, trying to save cash, Um, you know, it's a really expensive process. But I think not having a lawyer is a mistake, because you may make mistakes that will then impact your financial future. Other mistakes they make is, is not thinking it through, going to a lawyer and hoping that they will sort your life out. When any good lawyer is going to tell you that the legal part is only a part of the equation. And what are the other parts then? Because this is something you cover on your your courses that you do, don't you? And within the Divorce Hive community. So what what are the kind of, we've talked about finance, that's really important, isn't it? What other factors are at play? So we we work through a sort of a four-step process to create this wonderful new beginning. And that first step is around the dream. So what do you want? What does it look like? How amazing can you make your future? And what are the boundaries between you getting there and now? Um, And then the second step is the practicalities. What finances do you need to make that happen? Do you need to do something different with your career or create another income stream? What are you going to do with your children? Where are you going to live? Fourth step is all about layering on the fun. So what's going to make your soul sing in your new life? You know, what's really going to make you happy? Do you want to meet someone else? Do you want to do online dating? And then the final step is about taking action. 
Mm-hmm. That plan without action is just a dream. So being accountable and taking action and moving yourself forward. Mm. And is it easy to to sort of be in that headspace and mind, you know, mindset to do that? Because I just can only imagine that it's very, you're feeling a lot of emotional pain and a lot of confusion and a lot of, you know, is it is it ever too early to start planning the next step? Or do you find there's a point where it clicks for women and they think, right, this is it, this is where I'm going? I think it's really hard. And and I think, as I said earlier, you know, for me, it took me forever to get Mm -hmm. to that point. But when I work with my clients, I really try to get them focusing on that light at the end of the tunnel right from the get go, because Mm -hmm. being able to see your destination boosts your resilience and helps you get through those really difficult times. So, yes, it's super hard. I think it's personal as to when you, you can do it. But there will come a time. Hopefully you won't fall in a muddy field and have to get to that point. But if you do, that's okay, because you will eventually get to a point where you want to move forward. What about children? That's obviously the contentious part of this whole situation, isn't it? How do you support children going through divorce? You're a mum of three, aren't you? Three teenage girls. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that is so hard. And I think you just do your best. You can spend so much time being angst-ridden about the impact of divorce on your children and are you doing the right things? Are you misstepping? Um, But I think if you put them at the centre of your decisions and you think about their best interests, then you won't go far wrong. Do you tell them what's going on or how, how, how much do you tell them, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to tell them what is useful for them to know and it depends on their age so as they get older they want to know more they want more of a say they want some influence over their own destiny do you need to tell them the details of your husband's affair probably not um that's not helpful uh but i think you do need to make sure they know that it's not their fault that they're loved and they need stability they need uh, responsibility, they need reliability, a routine, they need to know where they're going to be, when and with who, and that really helps, that structure. Um, I think things you don't do, try not to use them as support, try not to badmouth the ex or get them to take sides. I mean, the badmouth the ex thing, you read that in every divorce book, it is impossible, okay, so you just do your best, 80-20 rule on that, I think. Mm-hmm. But with kids, I think they're very resilient. So if they see that you're okay, they'll be okay. So you've got to sort yourself out and that will filter down to your children. What about friends and family? How do you tell how do you tell your parents or your close friends? Or because you, you're usually embedded within a community at that point, aren't you? Yes. I think people deal with it differently. I think most family will have some sense that this is going on. It's rarely a shock. And I think with family and friends, you have to be slightly careful because they are not unbiased um, and they're often equipped with outdated opinions and information. And what that can do is put a lot of pressure on you as you're going through divorce and dealing with reality. And you might have your mum saying, take him to the cleaners and he can't do that and all this sort of thing, which just is not helpful. Mm. So you have to manage that relationship and really think, what do I need them for? 
take me for a cup of tea mom watch the kids while I go out but I don't need your divorce advice (laughs) that's hard isn't it you've got enough going on without everybody else trying to give you advice and uh, you've got to make it happen for you haven't you and get the right people in this process can you tell us about your life now because obviously you've set up a very successful business where are you now are you dating are you happily single how's your life and how do you feel about your life post-divorce so my divorce finalized almost two years ago and I can genuinely say having thought that there was literally no future having no hope at all that I am now in a really happy place Mm-hmm. I think I would be honest and say I'm still on a journey, but I'm super excited about where that's taking me. And, you know, the future's wide open. It can be whatever I want it to be. And that that's an adventure and is exciting. Mm-hmm. In terms of a man, I'd love to meet somebody. It's difficult. And mm-hmm. online dating is an experience. <laughs> We've had some tales, I can tell you, on the show of online dating. Yeah. What is it like? What are midlife men like? Single midlife men. <laughs> I mean, I think as a coach, I ought to set up a business coaching midlife men on how to do a dating profile because there's so many of them that hold a fish. <laughs> sure. So, yeah, yes. what, what's that about? Yes. Is this some kind of hunter gatherer vibe? Mm-hmm. Or so, I'm not sure what that is. And then you'll get someone else who's got a hat and glasses on. Well, I can't see you. So, what are you mm-hmm. trying to hide? Well, my favourite is in the comments where they say, I really want a tactile relationship. (laughs) And they don't think that we know what that means. (laughs) Is it Gen X men? Are you not? I mean, there's been a lot of stories recently about midlife women actually looking to relationships with much younger men because they're kind of more open to adventure. They're less stressful to be around. They expect less taking care of. (laughs) Is that something you've come across? Yeah, so actually one of the women in in the Divorce Hive community is a real advocate for relationships with younger men. And I love talking to her. She says it's wonderful. You know, they make you feel fabulous. They're really willing to learn. They want nothing from you. It is the perfect relationship. I guess it's a, a good romantic adventure, isn't it? Have you been on dates? Have you I mean, are you looking for the one? We interviewed Tamsin Alfred on, on the show who had a much younger partner who she's very in love with. And she said mm-hmm. it's such a relief not to be looking for the one in midlife. Yeah. Am I looking for the one? That's a very interesting question. I think I probably am. And I'm really hopeful that that person is there. But in midlife, I think your criteria are more specific. So it's more difficult. Like when you're 20s, you don't really care, do you? You just mm-hmm. meet someone and you see where it goes. But in your 50s, you've got a list that you need to hit. And that's mm-hmm. more challenging. So tell us about the Divorce Hive community. So this is it's a Facebook group. It's a group of women going through divorce, having been through divorce. What, what are the kind of things that come up? Obviously, you're talking about dating younger men, dating midlife men? What other themes come up on the group? Yeah, so the Divorce Hive came from my own frustration with other Facebook groups and communities around divorce support. And I started looking at them and found them utterly depressing. They're very man-hating, lawyer-hating, negative, negative, negative. And I wanted a space where 
midlife women in particular could go and get ideas and inspiration and motivation to rebuild and find a new wonderful future. And so that's where the Divorce Hive came from. It's completely free. We talk about everything. I mean, we've had people talk about how to set mouse traps, which they've never had to do before. <laughs> Dealing with car salesmen. Broken printers. Broken printers. Mm, yeah. Without divorcing. Mm-hmm. Sex. Sex is a common one. Sex oh. after divorce. What do women say about sex then? Midlife women say about sex with new men in new kind of new romantic adventures. It's fantastic. Hey, it's fantastic. I mean, a lot of these women have been in long-term relationships, okay? And here you go. It's like being in a sweet shop. It's amazing. Oh, I like that. Very positive. Trish, maybe Um, we should do a sex retreat or something like that. (laughs) We could. Yes, that's brilliant. And then through your coaching, obviously, you've, you've met a lot of women, and I'm sure you've taken them from very dark places to very positive bright places Uh, is there any kind of stories that women's stories that have stuck with you perhaps that have been just an example of what can be done and what can be achieved yeah for sure I mean as a coach the relationship is um, confidential but I've got permission from a couple of people to share their stories at a high level and the first one is is a lady called Kathy not her real name who came to me when she was in her late 50s Having divorced her husband of 30 years, she had been an actress before she got married um, and had always had an interest in the arts, but hadn't really been able to pursue it in her marriage. And with 60 knocking at her door, she decided, actually, this is what I want to do now. So she left her marriage and with great kindness and empathy, brought her family through that process and came to me when she wanted to look at her own future. Now, I can't for the life of me how we remember how we landed on this, but we started talking about burlesque dancing. Mm-hmm. And she took herself off and did a burlesque dancing course and is now living that burlesque life, performing and teaching others to burlesque dance. So she's really having an amazing life. Follow your passions. Follow mm. your passions. I can see you doing that, Trish. And the other one um, is a a lady called Jessica who came to me when she was in her late 40s. She was in an abusive relationship. Um, She was an art teacher who her marriage was very high net worth, but she wanted to get out and she knew that her husband would resist that. So she left the marriage with a very modest uh, divorce settlement and took herself down to the south of France where she now has a very young French boyfriend um, and teaches tourists how to paint. When I got in touch with her about using her story, she said, yes, but tell everyone that I'm surviving on cigarettes, red wine and sex. Fantastic. (laughs) That's my new year mantra, I think. Oh, my goodness. There's definitely a theme here, isn't there? (laughs) (laughs) A sexy, liberated theme, which is just, um, yeah, very exciting. Very. I mean, I guess the point is it's a terrible, terrible time and it is incredibly hard. But, you know, we can do hard things, Gen X, and we are those women. But when you come out past that, if you keep it in the forefront of your mind, there are amazing adventures or just much happier lives to lead, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, it's not something you choose to do. Nobody no. gets married thinking, I want to be divorced. But if that's your path to follow, 
there is a really shiny future waiting for you, mm-hmm. but you have to go get it. It's not mm-hmm. coming at you. Yeah. So Amanda, if, if somebody is really worried about finance and doesn't have the budget to spend on a divorce coach uh, or getting a lot of help, um, where can they go for some affordable or free resources? Okay, well, I think the communities like the Divorce Hive are really great because you've got a community of midlife women who are either going through or have been through the same thing and can answer many of your questions. So definitely come and join us. But there's also a lot of free information available on the web. You can look up family law firm sites, which will have blogs and information. There's a great website, advicenow.org, which has got a lot of guides and checklists and legal data, which would be super useful and is free. And if you find yourself in court without legal representation, you can always instruct a McKenzie friend who will come and hold your hand if you're a litigant in person. So there are ways, there are things you can you can do. Great. Well, thank you very much for being so helpful, Amanda. So join the Divorce Hive. And can everyone tell us their uplifting stories or just give us some, it'd be lovely if people on our Facebook group could tell us how they've got through this particularly mm-hmm. tricky part of life, because it is really tricky for midlife women. Yeah. Thank you very much for... Thank you, Amanda. And if they want, you, if people want to contact you about coaching what where would they go what website would they go to so uh, the facebook community is the divorce hive and my website is resetdivorcecoaching.co.uk brilliant Brilliant. well thank you so much amanda i'm sure uh, that's going to be so helpful and reassuring for many many of our listeners thank you thank you so much Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So here we are at the how to win section uh, of the first show of series eight. And we've just talked about divorce, but we should also talk about long term love, shouldn't we? Because a lot of couples gather for a long time. It's still a tricky start to the year for people. And we've talked about this a lot on the show. There is a lot of science that shows your connections with people, your relationships are the single most important thing to live a happier, healthier, longer life. So it's really, really important that you get this right, (laughs) Mm -hmm. kind of above everything else, isn't it? It is. And and we're both in long-term relationships. So uh, we're lucky we haven't been at the divorce stage, but I think we know that- time, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It does take work. Oh gosh, you do, don't you? Current husband. It takes work, it takes effort, and it takes a bit of focus. So we thought, you know, now's a good time to sort of think about that. So our friend, Dr. Kalanit, she's given us some great advice before, hasn't she? She's a a relationship therapist. So she's given us some tips, and we thought we would just share them with you. So what do you want to kick off with, Lorraine? This is quite a good one, because it's a very practical one. So she says, one of the exercises you can do with your long-term partner 
is embrace eye contact because there's a lot it's about shifting the energy mm. of your relationship and there's a lot of power in eye contact it makes you feel safe it makes you feel intimate Maybe we should do this together, actually, Trish, is you, you sit in front of each other and you hold eye contact for five minutes. Now, that is quite a long time to do. Mm. Now, you do it daily for three weeks, no talking, just breathing in sync together. You might laugh, cry, be embarrassed, but it's all about energy and shifting it into a more connected energy. I think that will work. I'm going to do it with Mr. Candy this evening. Are you going to do that? Okay, I'm going to you try that one as him. well. Do you think there is something about being seen and being looked at isn't there and just yeah. being because you're just so easy to just kind of rub along together and you're not Drift. actually looking at each other and drifting yeah and I think this is another good one for the long term the kind of patterns we get into of, of things yes. um you know you know the roles and argument starts you know exactly who's going to say what how someone's going to react and what they're going to do and say what and when so it's really worth thinking about that and reflecting on that dynamic and asking yourself if the feelings underneath it are familiar to you from your own history um, and start moving away from those unhealthy old patterns. Um, and the words that Kalanit uses are you should think about intention, commitment and devotion, which I think is is really nice. And um, I stopped a little argument in its tracks this very morning, in fact, did doing you? that. I did. It was just one of those ones that didn't need to be a, you know, he was grumpy about something the stay-at-home teenager had done in his shed. <laughs> Yes, she's tools, and I, oh, you know, and I just deflected rather than kind of, you know, and it was good. It was a good piece of advice. Good. Now, another piece of advice, which I, she runs couples workshops. So I think this would be really interesting in a workshop scenario. You ask yourself, what is the repetitive complaint your partner has about you? Mm-hmm. So with that complaint, what are they craving from you? So be really specific. So, you know, instead of saying I want more closeness or I want to see you more. Say, I want a hug every day. I would like mm-hmm. to hold your hand if we walk to the tube together. In what your partner is wishing from you, the goal is for your own good, isn't it? Because it makes you closer. It's a tiny step. It's a small act of love. It's a little gift you can give your partner. Yeah, this isn't about big changes or trying to no. change them or their personality, is it? No, it's just tiny. those sort of little incremental things. And, you know, of course, January is that, you know, fresh start, new year. It's a great time for a check-in. It's a softness, isn't it? It's a nice softness yeah. that you put back in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so checking in, little January check-in. Um, yeah. And it's probably worth, you know, going out for a walk or going out for lunch, a dry dinner perhaps. <laughs> And look back uh, at the kind of previous year as a couple and think, what did you enjoy doing together? What were the challenges that you overcame? What did you appreciate about each other? What were your new experiences? And I think that's that's a really nice kind of uh, checking in and then looking on what you want to build on or change or do differently or develop for for this year and what you can do better as a team. I think that idea of Feeling like a team, I think, is really, really important. So, shy, shy, adding shy, things into your adding life. things in—that's what oh, she's. How she's can I add some something prompts. into your life, Trish? Well, I've got year. many ideas about that, but now's yeah. probably not. Time. Okay, <laughs> doesn't Private involve times. donkeys, though. Yeah, no. donkeys. Yeah, so it could be. You know, what have I contributed to our relationship? What did I learn about you? What did you learn about me? Because just because I've been with Neil for thirty-seven years doesn't mean I'm not still. New things. Seven years. That's not an exaggeration. It's scary, isn't it? Oh anyway. my goodness me! Now, so another important conversation to have is the unspoken contract <laughs> between couples. I feel particularly strongly about this because there's so many 
roles within your work life, within your career, within your household, the imbalance on what women do or expecting to do is still, I mean, it still swings towards us that we have to do quite a lot. And I think sometimes you just have this unspoken contract and nobody says, I don't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't want to pick all the washing up anymore. I don't want to do all the laundry anymore. Mm -hmm. So maybe a quick check in on that right at the beginning of the year um, to say, you know, do it really formally, I think, you know, this is what I want to do. This is what I'd like you to do. Can I help you? Can we change? You know, my husband does all the finances because I can't. Well, you know about me and numbers, don't you? It should be a disaster. <laughs> so he can't hiding give that in a to tax you, haven if he wanted to. Or arrested. No, he couldn't give it to me, but perhaps there are things I can help with. So yes. I think that's a check in. The bins. Yes. Yeah. No, exactly. Not allowed to you... touch the bins, Trish. Not oh, right, allowed okay. to go anywhere. That, near I'm that. quite, Sorry. I'd be quite pleased about that if I were you. Yeah. But yeah, it is that thing because if you are doing something and you're resenting it, the resentment yeah. will kind of build. So better to ask and talk about it than to seethe with anger all our responsibilities change as well and you know Mm. our jobs change and the way we feel the pressure at work changes so maybe we want to do different things at home Mm. you know because we're both working from home quite a lot of the time I think our contract has changed um, Mm -hmm. and I think people just need to think about that Mm -hmm. one of Kalanit's other um, suggestions is to do something called a relationship vision exercise which is different to the looking at your partner so this is actually where you swap each other's glasses (laughs) midlife glasses <laughs> and then look at each other's lose, i'm going to lose no. his glasses instead yeah. of mine this yes. week yeah that's the thing on top of your head so this is an experience that focuses couples on their common ground rather than on their differences and um there's a book that she's recommended called getting the love you want by harville hendrix there's a name and she's also got educational couples workshops that you can do. So visit mm. Kalanit's website for that. You know, if you want to take it a step further, doing a workshop, relationship workshop, yeah. would be a good idea. I've got some visions, I tell you. Well, we hope that helps you, listeners that are in relationships or coming out of relationships, going into new relationships. Um, let us know on the group if you need any more information. I will put these tips, actually, I think, on the group so that... They are there for you. And you can, as as we said, you can visit Dr. Kalanit's uh, website, which is kalanitbenari.com, or join her in a Getting the Love You Want workshop. And actually, there is another uh, place you can go for a resolution advice with divorce, which I think is worth mentioning as well, which a few people have mentioned. It's resolution.org.uk, which is quite useful. So there we are. We have done a relationship special for Season 8, Podcast Episode 1. It's time to go back into days gone by, days of yore, and have a little nostalgia noodle, our little regular slot to end the show. What have you got for me from the vaults today, Lorraine? Well, I was a bit obsessed with divorce. And on that subject, I thought we could talk about our favourite divorcees from telly. (gasps) Oh, yes. From 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s telly. Yes. I'm going to bring up first Dr Lilith Strenin. Do you remember oh, Fraser's yes, ex-wife? Fraser. Oh, yes. Probably one of the best TV characters ever created. Yes. See through Lilith. Do you remember they actually accidentally got back together and then she accidentally slept with his brother? <laughs> and then my other favourites, Carol, Carol, Ross's ex-wife. Oh yes. Who yeah. left him for a woman. Yes, yeah. And friends. 
love that. A few. Well, I'm. I mean, I know we've done. Can Dallas. I just mention my final one though, oh, because sorry. it popped up literally this week in the Guardian. A huge interview with her, Kathleen Turner, sixty-eight. Yes. Um, do you remember War of the Roses? I do. That's Michael not one of my favourite divorce. Oh my films, god! They have it... to live together while they're divorcing, and then they it's try and kill so each other. It's so acrimonious, isn't it? Even t- to death, to the to death, death, I would yes. say. Well, I'm because I, I sort of, you know, we didn't really have a lot of divorce in our family. It wasn't really a thing in the source. Well, it was shocking, it was, wasn't it? It was you seen know. still then as quite gay. scandalous. Parents oh, used goodness. to say, "Well, they're divorced." They're I know it's just her. she's divorced. Quite mad to think that that's how it used to be. But um, I think we have to mention Pam and Bobby Ewing, obviously we Dallas, yeah. because that was. Um, I can't. I mean, they obviously loved each other very much. There was some kerfuffle over that little adopted baby Christopher. Do you remember baby Christopher? <laughs> And his parentage, and there was some big old <laughs> kerfuffle about that that led to their divorce. It obviously involved JR. But they got back together a couple of years later, and the night after Bobby proposed, what happened? I can't was, remember, Trish. Well, he was run over by Pam's half-sister, Catherine Wentworth. That's what happened <laughs> in a sort of divorce tragedy, divorce, remarried, together tragedy thing. Anyway, there's plenty to explore there. Well, that brings us to the end of this first episode of the new season of Postcards from Midlife. We would really appreciate it if you could make sure to download them so they count on our listener numbers. And if you could rate and review us too, that would be marvellous. If you don't know how to do it, drop us an email. Hello at Postcards from Midlife and we will share with you how to do it. We will. I might actually put something on Instagram showing you specifically how to subscribe. Um, Do tell all your friends about us as well, because we want as many women as possible to join in with our midlife conversation. Um, And we have a private Facebook group called Postcards from Midlife. And you can put anything you want on there. And the whole team are there to support you, aren't they? There's such a massive team of brilliant listeners supporting each other. And we are Somebody asked the other day if we actually read any of the posts. We, not only do we read them, we oh reply God, to we them, the we whole thing. put links yeah. in and everything. So come and join us um, and join in the chat. Yes, and you can use it to post any feedback on uh, the topics we discuss, the the ramblings about donkeys and such like, as well as suggestions for other things you'd like to hear talked about or celebrities and experts you'd love to hear interviewed. So email us, as I said, hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com or pop a little message on Instagram. Goodbye. Goodbye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.